What's happening, friends list, and welcome to the Game Pass Gamecast, episode 8, and we have a lot to talk about today. We've got all of the news out of Gamescom 2019, including a few huge games just added to Xbox Game Pass. We also have a new Gears 5 campaign trailer and crossover event with Microsoft's other tentpole franchise. I bet you can guess what that is to coincide with Gears' upcoming September release. Not to mention, a few major awards for the show were given out to upcoming Xbox games, plus Crossplay coming to PUBG. <laughs> Let's go, baby. And of course, our game of the week, Minecraft. So, buckle in and let's get started. <laughs> now the fun begins. Bridget. is good everybody and welcome back to another episode of the game pass gamecast i'm your host travis white aka travelus on most internet platforms and as always i'm joined today by my co-host adam marsh aka marshy adam what's good what's been going on and what have you been playing hey travis i'm pretty good it's just me this week lately i've been still stuck into some fire emblem i think i'm finally getting close to the end of my route Mm. i'll probably go into a new game plus after i'm finished but I also really want to get back into Pathologic 2. I've been been, like getting my feet wet back into that. And Uh not games related, but the girlfriend and I also just finished watching both series of Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, nice. That's one anime I've wanted to actually dig into and try. There's a few on the short list that I've been like, okay, yeah, that catches my interest. That catches my interest. Attack on Titans 1, Full Metal Alchemist, and My Hero are the three that always kind of stick out to me. And I'm like, I really think those are ones that I can I can dive into and enjoy but oh yeah big double thumbs up for me on Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood mm-hmm. you can watch the original 2003 series if you want to mm-hmm. it kind of enriches Brotherhood a little bit but it's honestly not necessary and I think Brotherhood is the superior series it, now is that the one that's available on Netflix yes Brotherhood is on Netflix okay yeah I wasn't sure because I have a co-worker who also watches it and he was telling me same things you are rave reviews and he was saying, yeah, there's the original one, but then they re-released it in like 2011, but or something like that. They kind of updated some of the artwork, but also kind of added to the story. It, it Almost like a yeah. remix in a way. They got a different animation studio, and also the manga that it was based on was not completed when the first series ran. So it had to make some decisions a la George R.R. Martin and the end of Game of Thrones where Ah. the story didn't actually go the way it was supposed to. And it's still Mm. pretty good to watch, but I think Brotherhood is the definitive version. No, it makes sense. Absolutely. As Adam said, we are just riding the tandem today. No trifecta. Mike, unfortunately, had some things going on today that he wasn't able to make it. So he will be back next week and we will be up and running. So... For me, things I've been playing, I finished Bioshock. Last time we talked, I was kind of going through that. I kind of fell mm-hmm. off the rest of the wagon with the series. I didn't start two up. I Well, I take it back. I played for about 10 minutes. I was just like, you know what? I think I'm good on Bioshock for right now. That's understandable. Yeah, and nothing wrong with Bioshock. I love the game, personally. I think it's probably, in terms of openings, in a top three for openings in a game in, oh, yeah. in terms of world building and immersion and clouding yourself in this mystery of the narrative that's around you. 
leading up to the big turn and the big twist in the narrative, it's excellent. I loved every single minute of it, except really the ending. It just kind of ended. And I wasn't necessarily crazy about the final boss. Yeah. Old Goldie. I I wasn't too crazy (laughs) about him. But all in all, did not ruin my experience. I didn't feel like I wasted my time at the end of it. Excellent game. And I definitely am looking forward to eventually kind of getting back on and moving into 2 and then eventually Infinite. But I never played 2. I did play Infinite, but you'll have to tell me how 2 goes when you get around to it. I know it's centered around the big daddies, like you play as a big daddy, so... I'm curious to see how that would play. I like the lore. I like the world that they have there. I'm all I'm all for it, and I hope soon we'll eventually go back to them on modern and or next-gen consoles in a new story. But outside of that, oh, I actually finally finished Gears of War 4. I don't know what made me think of it. I knew I wanted to play it before Gears 5 came out, because I'm definitely wanting to jump into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I absolutely loved the story. And... That was always my biggest thing. Like, Gears campaigns, they're pretty bite-sized. I mean, you're looking at six hours to eight hours at the very most, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Like, I I started it a while ago, played through the first couple chapters of Act 1. But that was months ago. Then finally, I was like, you know what? Gears 5's right around the corner. Definitely want to play Gears 4 and start that back up. So, start that back up Thursday night. And then Saturday, finished it off. And it was only, like, I'd play a couple hours of sitting. Nothing, like, crazy, like, where I'm sitting there for four to five hours. It's, yeah. you know, usually two or three hour chunks at most, so. I, um, I mean, unless you're playing on a real high difficulty, as long as you know what you're doing, like, you're right. They're pretty pretty digestible campaigns. No, absolutely. I totally agree. And I am I was playing on normal just because I wanted to make sure I got the story and got caught up. But, man... I had faith in the Coalition whenever they first took over the series with how well they did the Ultimate Edition of Gears of War. I think that is, like, the that should be the standard of how remasters slash remakes, really, if you want to. I, I think it's more remaster, but that should be the standard of how you handle that. It's from the ground up, cinematic, same perspective, same shot, same scene, everything like that. Nothing really changes, but all the assets were rebuilt. Everything looks, it's pristine. It's one of my favorite remasters or remakes so i had full faith in them going into gears 4 i know people weren't necessarily crazy about the direction they took right at the beginning and i wasn't either it didn't hook me really right in the first like chapter or two but once you start unraveling the mystery it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and this story they built up surrounding kate and the locust and everything involved it's i think it's great i'm really looking forward to playing the campaign of gears 5 so I'm really looking forward to that. But outside of that, that's really kind of all I've been capped off at. I started up for some reason. I wanted to play a Rockstar game yesterday. So I started up GTA Five a little bit. Okay. Never beat the story mode on that. So I'm kind of like, uh, I kind of want to maybe check that out, finally finish it. Just so really I could say I have it. I liked what I played of it, both on the 360 and current gen consoles. I never really stuck with it, but I did love what I played. I've just been kind of craving an open world game. So I've kind of been tinkering around with that the last day or so, but we'll see. Who knows? Don't know if I necessarily want to spend the 25 to 30 hours that it demands to beat that. So Yeah, sometimes you just got to scratch a little itch. Yeah, and then get in, get out type of deal. That's 
But at the same time, I've also been playing very linear experiences recently where it's point A to point B, point A to point B. Like, you're going through mm-hmm. levels, it's not necessarily, hey, let's do some, even if it is fetch questing, let's just do some questing. Go and check off those boxes that you see all around the map, different waypoints <laughs> and stuff. So That reminds me, I have also been dipping my toes back into RuneScape lately. Oh, yeah, you did talk to Kyle and I about that. I forgot. Yeah, I actually got him to play for like a couple hours, and then he was like, nah, this isn't for me. (laughs) But, you know, to each their own. I just like to sign on and do my dailies. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have games like that that it's, you just kind of jump on to do your quick thing, and then you're in and out, and there you go. I mean, I'm kind of like that with Pokemon Go still. I sometimes jump on when I think about it. I'm like, Oh, yeah, I wonder if there's, like, a Pokemon stop here, and I'll pop up. Oh, yeah, there is, and just from mm-hmm. kind of working downtown, and there's so many of them, it's it's one of those things. If I'm walking across campus, yeah, I'll pick them up, and, oh, there's a, there's a Snorlax, there's a this. It's just one of those things. that It, it kind of scratches that little itch that you get of, it's rewarding at such a base level of, here's a checklist of things, and, hey, you do these mu- small mundane tasks, you get a small reward, so. But... Enough about games that we've been playing recently. Let's jump into the news and then our main game of the week. But before that, let's do a little housekeeping. Do you like Xbox Game Pass? Chances are pretty high that you do if you're listening to the show because God knows it is not for my voice. But I'll give you a good reason to put up with it because we're giving away a free three-month subscription to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. That's right, Ultimate Edition to one lucky listener. Want to know how to win? Trick question, because I am going to tell you anyways. <laughs> Head on over to our Twitter account, at GPGC Podcast on Twitter, and just do the following. Retweet that pinned tweet on our profile about the contest, and follow our Twitter account. Boom. That's it. Easy enough, right? A link to that tweet will also be found in the description of this episode on every platform you get it on. So, clicking that link will direct you right to it. So, head on over to at GPGC Podcast and enter today. Also, too, I've mentioned this before. I'll probably stop mentioning this after this, but this is probably the last time I'll mention this. Our YouTube name has changed from Bonus Accessory to Game Pass Gamecast just to help kind of streamline and get our content to you a little bit easier, the listener. Previous subs of the channel will automatically be subscribed, so you don't have to worry about that. But instead, all you got to do is just search Game Pass Gamecast. That's two word, Game Pass, Gamecast, one word. So, With that being said, let's head into the news a little bit, Adam. It's that time of year, the, how do I want to phrase this? It's like the EA, or the EA, fuck, I don't want to talk about EA. E3? Yeah, the E3, like, hangover cure, I would say. I think that's a good way to put it, because really, at the same time, though, we're talking about Gamescom 2019. So, the thing with Gamescom is, it's fucking like 10 times the size of ea in turn or i swear to god if i say ea one more time (laughs) i need to get like a shock collar for a dog something two strikes buddy yeah exactly three strikes i'm out i'm just gonna end the podcast and go home (laughs) so it's canceled it's it's canceled done (laughs) yeah but gamescom out in cologne germany it's like 10 times the size of e3 man it's from a spectator and a patron standpoint fans who do come it's like i think last year was like 500,000 people were That's in wild. the city for that event only like it was it's wild whether they're covering it or as fans it's just nuts but it's always kind of been the little brother to e3 it, i don't want to say follows in its coattails but it, it's right on the heels of e3 really like a month and a half later 
and it always kind of was the trickle down. Oh, we'll get some follow ups to big announcements that are made at E3 just because of the prestige that E3 has in terms of it's always been known as like kind of like the like when you think of tissues, you kind of think of Kleenex. When you think of big gaming news, if you're in the gaming scene in the video game world, you think E3. Yeah. But Gamescom really this year, seeing how E3 has kind of not lost a lot of its lack, like it's been a little lackluster. You see the importance of E3 starting to trend downward. I'll always be a big believer and proponent of E3 because I think it does so much for not just a media end, but also a fan end that they're now kind of seeing too. But at the same time, I think I will always be a fan of these big events. But Gamescom really kind of picked up the ball this year by making sure there was an inside Xbox event and then bringing on Jeff Keighley to host a opening night live event, very similar to, it was basically an extended version of the announcements and featurettes that you would see in the Game Awards, or even a really E3 press conference. It was really cool. It was really well done, but that happened today. We're recording on the 19th of August, so right after this. So let's start with some of the news of that. As always, though, we got to go right into Game Pass, baby, because they added a few big games. First of all, Devil May Cry 5 just released in like February, something like that, February or March, but huge game. That's dropping today on Game Pass. Devil May Cry 5, huge game, rave reviews, great action, like beat 'em up type, very Bayonetta esque. It's and it's made in the RE engine from Capcom, so it's fucking beautiful. Definitely something to jump on if you have an interest at all from a big modern title that just launched this year that I'm sure is going to be in a lot of people's Game of the Year discussions so far. We also got Stellaris, the console edition of that. That's launching today as well. But also, the other big title on PC, Age of Empires the Definitive Edition. That's only on PC, but that's coming today to Game Pass. Adam, how do you feel about it? I know you're a big AoE person. I'm going to be honest. I never played a whole lot of the original Age of Empires. I was way more into AoE 2. Oh, okay. But with that being on Game Pass and with the Definitive Edition being like way more modernized, I understand that they... They had to make some compromises between the like the modern AOE 2 like creature comforts that the players are used to and like preserving the game experience of mm-hmm. AOE 1. Like I've played a little bit of it, but this would really encourage me to go back and like give it an earnest try, maybe even play some multiplayer. Oh, there you go. There you go. So, so this is pretty exciting for me. I'm also really excited for the next one, but I want to like dip my toe into AOE definitive edition and just see like what kind of direction they're taking these remasters in. Mm. Were they made from the ground up? Was this all new assets, but basically they kept the skeleton, but created all new models? and Or is it just a completely up version of it? I can't say for sure. Like, the art direction seems to be pretty well maintained. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they up the models or remade them from scratch, just, you know, lovingly recreated. Mm. Uh, I can't say for sure, but it looks great. It seems like it plays a lot smoother than the original, but still has that classic feel. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I mean, and let's put it this way. They're putting it out in 4K, so obviously they feel it's pretty confident. It's got to look good. Yeah, they obviously feel pretty confident in their textures and assets that they have out there, so it, it can't be that sore on the eyes. Next on the list, this is kind of cool, just because we were talking about Gears 5 recently, and I'm a mark for any Halo news as it is, <laughs> um, and just like Mike, so... 
Too bad um, he's not here. Yeah, I know, right? But this is kind of cool. Noble Team is coming to Gears 5. That's right. Halo Reaches, Emily, and Cat are both coming to Gears of War 5 through the Ultimate Edition, but you can also buy it separately. They're a character pack that's coming. So Halo Reach characters coming to Gears 5. They're pretty cool looking. Like, I pulled up the skins for them. I'm all about, and this I'm sure would open up a big can of worms whenever it comes to microtransactions and a whole other conversation about post-purchase purchases, if you want to say. Like, money spent after your initial purchase. I'm personally totally cool with microtransactions that are cosmetic or they're like a yearly content drop that you get like kind of you see in siege or even Fortnite too where you pay whatever it is five ten dollars every 10 weeks or something like that and you get all this content and it's all cosmetic it's all just for fun it just adds value to the game especially like in gears 5 situation yeah, you can go out and buy the $60 version or the $100 version, whatever it is that you can get out at the store, but it's also on Game Pass for, you can pay 10 bucks for it and be in and out in a month. So the cost of entry for this game already is so low that it's totally, on my end, anything like that in terms of cosmetics that don't ruin the experience of a game, I'm totally good with because realistically, we should be paying much more for games. I'm talking at least 20 bucks more per game if we're being honest, so we're kind of... Yeah, that's true. Like, game development just keeps getting more and more expensive. So if you ask me, I'm totally fine with, hey, here's a cool crossover with Halo. We got Noble Team coming to Gears 5 that you're going to get some cool Halo Reach skins to kind of tie in with Halo Reach's release with MCC and the PC port as well. So, But what's cool about this, too, is it's included with the Ultimate Edition of Gears, which you can also get, if you have Game Pass Ultimate, you get the Ultimate Edition of Gears. So, really, for $15, you're getting all of this. So, it's to me, it's kind of a crazy value. Yeah, that sounds like just total gravy to me. Like, who wouldn't want hype for microsoft's other huge exclusive console franchise while they're playing you know i I would consider like halo and gears to be like the big two on xbox you know oh 100 i always put halo will always be number one in terms of ip with microsoft at least right now for the foreseeable future it's a game series that has too much history and too much importance to the gaming landscape that even no matter how down in the dumps it may be like moving after halo 4 into halo 5 it's still once you bring up halo people still listen there's still traction i mean look at youtube numbers don't lie look at the statistics involving infinite i mean all the metrics point to halo still has a lot of weight to it that it carries so to me this is a no-brain win right here for them which is great i always put halo number one gears two and it gets closer and closer each time, I think, with each release. But I think with Infinite, they're probably going to pull away a little bit more. But hopefully with Gears 5, they can, like I said, they keep moving with the story. I'm all for it. I love it. So all good with me. So and then a couple last things here with the news. Kind of piggybacking off the opening night. There's a new Gears 5 trailer out that kind of focuses in on the campaign that I've been kind of raving about recently. Definitely go check that out. They dropped that right at the beginning of the uh, opening night live Jeff Keighley's event. So it's really cool. Definitely more hyped for years. Also, too, during the Inside Xbox event, two kind of noteworthy things. Oh, also, Gears 5 as well. They're giving out Gamescom awards, which they do 
right at the beginning of the show, which is kind of weird. Usually, like, with E3, it's at the back end, even though they have Judges Week and they have all these things involved with it. They still do it at the end. Gamescom does it before the show technically begins to the public. It's kind of weird. But, hey, whatever. I think it's still cool. But Gears of War won Best Xbox Game at Gamescom 2019. Kind of piggybacking off of that, Wasteland 3 was shown. They got a new trailer, new info put out for that. They won Best RPG Award at Gamescom 2019, which is pretty big. And they also tagged on a 2020 release window, but I think that was already stated before. But still, good to reaffirm that, see that another big Xbox Game Pass game coming sooner than a lot of people probably expected to. And then lastly, PUBG Season 4, they tacked on there starting August 27th. But the big note out of that is crossplay is coming on console to PUBG, which is big. I mean, that's PUBG is one of the biggest games in the world, no matter where... You look in the Battle Royale genre and the rankings with them. PUBG is still always in the top, like, 5 or 10 at the very, very most. Games on that are being streamed on Twitch and viewer-wise, it's it's still a widely popular game. So, cross-play between consoles is pretty crazy. That's up there. I put that up there with Call of Duty in terms of kind of importance and of big titles that are going cross-play. So, Adam, you've, you've played a solid bit of PUBG. Have you been playing that at all in the last, like, six months? I think six months is about the last time I've played it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was, like, back before I upgraded my graphics card, so maybe it is time to head back in and, like, you know, start to play with some people who are on other platforms. Yeah, no, exactly. I I haven't played, to be honest, it's one of those games that anytime I sit down to play something on my gaming PC... I'll open up Steam, and I'll do the thing where I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I'll just jump on some some Siege or play a little CSGO. But then I'll always see PUBG there, and I'm like, oh, I haven't played PUBG in a while. And then I'll, nine times out of ten, I have it installed, so then I got it installed again, but luckily yeah. that doesn't take too long. Get that installed, and I'm like, yeah, I'll play, I'll play some PUBG. I go in, I play for like ten minutes, and I'm like, oh, that pissed me off. <laughs> and then I leave, and yeah. I uninstall it because I'm pissed off about something, and... Then we start the cycle over again like three months later. So I'm kind of right there with you that I think it's a fun game. I think it's a I feel very confident saying it's a very good game, but I, I just don't know that Battle Royales are my game genre. I just don't I know. Feel, yeah. I think that for me, Battle Royale is like the jar of pickles in the back of the fridge where occasionally I'll be like, "Ooh, you know what? I haven't had one of these in a while. Hell yes. I'll eat like one and it's really good. But if I try to eat like a bunch, like a whole jar at a time, I'm like, no, it's too much. It's too much salt for me. The metaphor is really evolving. (laughs) No, I totally Um, agree. It's funny you say that because I've been on a pickle binge lately. I don't know why I had, maybe I'm pregnant. Maybe I'm like, (laughs) maybe I'm like the new subject matter that the world's going to fucking blow up there. Like, holy shit, this dude's pregnant. Like, I've been having pickle cravings like no other recently. And I'll do the same thing where I'll get like one pickle. I'll be like, oh my God, that tastes so good. Then I have another. I'm like, it's still good. It's not as good as that first one. And then I'm like, God, do I want to, you know, roll the dice and do another nine times out of 10 after I have that next one? I'm like, nope, that's too much salt. That's too, no, no, no. Salty snacks, diminishing returns. Exactly, exactly. So, that's the news for this week. Some big stuff coming out of Gamescom. Also, too, not just Xbox. There was some really cool Death Stranding news that came out. New gameplay. I don't care what people say. It looks weird as fuck, and I'm all for it. I love it. I can't wait to play it. I have that shit pre-ordered, which I rarely do. Usually, I just go out and buy the game. But once I saw it, 
uh, the first gameplay reveal a couple months ago where they released the release date, jumped right on that. So I'm all in for that. I never was a big Metal Gear fan. I tried to go back and play them. I played a lot of a decent chunk of five, but I, I don't. I just don't know. What, I feel like this is going to be more my a true open world game. I feel like this might be more my style. But mm-hmm. I love love the wackiness of Kojima, and I I think he is a brilliant game designer. The ideas of gameplay that he has, I think, are top level, and he deserves all the praise he gets because. He is a brilliant creative. He really is. So I know you were talking about it. you're definitely going to play it. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. We'll see. I'm mostly in it with like an open mind. Like, mm. I don't know how good it's really going to be like True. under a critical lens, but I think it's going to be interesting and probably worth talking about for a long time to come. I definitely I know we're an Xbox like ex- usually Xbox exclusive show, but I really yeah. would like to do eventually i mean we our group here has kind of talked uh internally a lot about oh what do we eventually want to do with our brand do we want to go off and do nintendo shows do we want to and all of us i think have always said yes we want to do stuff mike wants to do a lot of esports news and different things like that adam and i have talked about doing a nintendo show also playstation show if possible we have plans like that eventually i think but i really would like to do maybe once like every time a big title like this drops i'd love to do just like a two-hour discussion no matter what the console is and just have it like a review series of just throwing shit against the wall and just talking it all out in terms of what we thought about it you know obviously with this game how fucking crazy it's gonna be so yeah I think that'd and, be cool. and you listening at home like tell us when you want us to start doing that you know the sooner you let us know hey we want to start seeing other content the sooner we can get to work on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're very open and we definitely want to give you, the listener, as much power as possible to kind of help guide the show. I mean, there will be times that, like this week, we're doing Minecraft, where we'll talk about specific games and stuff like that. Oblivion, we always mention, that's going to be our big one. That's going to be one of our big ones. And we're definitely oh, yeah. saving that for a, an anniversary episode or something like that, because that'll be at least a two-parter. But there will be times where we'll say, oh, no, we want to talk about this or we're going to throw this on it. But that's why we have kind of bi-weekly, we have the party chat editions because we want to hear from you and we want you to help shape the show and the content that you get because we're here because we love talking to you and we love talking about video games with you. So don't be afraid to speak your mind in the comments, tweets, whatever. Get a hold of me. Even if you want to DM me on my personal account, totally cool. Feel free to reach out and help shape the show. So with that being said, Adam, let's jump into the game of the week. And this game is... Minecraft. I feel very, 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 very safe in saying this. You are the Minecraft expert when it comes to our group. Absolutely. I've probably been playing the longest. Kyle, who's not really a member of the show, but he is a good friend of all of ours. He's very still involved with discussions of the show because he's just in our group chat about the show. He's he's behind the scenes. He's (laughs) he's almost like a producer. Yeah, yeah, Um, sure. But uh, <laughs> don't pump his tires too much. Right? No, I'm just busting. Yeah, I'm just busting you, Kyle. <laughs> but he's he and I have probably the most history with this game, mm-hmm. reaching all the way back to its initial debut in, I want to say, or like mid-May of 2009. Mm-hmm. And we've been playing on and off ever since. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy that this game that is by all intents and purposes, I still look at it as 
I've always still looked at it as, man, it's a small, developed, like, game and all this stuff, just because of the aesthetic has never changed. I mean, yeah, they now have ray tracing with it and, like, all this crazy oh stuff. Oh, my God, yeah, which, I just read that today. Which is wild, and, like, that's great, but, like, it's it's one of those things that I never, I never really thought about it as this big, like, huge-scale game with this massive development team behind it because it, the aesthetic always stayed the same. But it's crazy to me that really at the beginning this, this indie darling that absolutely exploded and is now just one of the biggest intellectual properties really i don't want to even say just in gaming i'd say in entertainment in general i mean it's it's fucking massive i think it's definitely one of the best-selling games of all time it oh may my be, god it may be breaching other records in other mediums yeah i mean even in our notes here that i kind of have our breakdown of the game this week that i kind of do when i run a show yeah i mean the game <laughs> The game has sold over 176 million copies worldwide. Over 176 million copies worldwide. So just imagine, like, imagine, like, multiple, multiple fucking, like, major metropolis cities in the U.S. Every one of those people owning a copy of Minecraft. Like, I'm thinking that's about half the population of the United States. Yes, like, how point. how is that? That's just mind-boggling. And then... On top of that, that includes, like, granted, there's people with multiple accounts when I say this and whatnot, but 200 million users in China. In China! <laughs> registered just China ac- alone. Just registered accounts in China. Now, granted, they have, like, free-to-play options and things like that there, but, like, 200 million users. It's massive. That's the just game bananas. is big. Despite its unassuming appearance. Right, exactly. But if you've been living under a rock for the past decade, basically, let me break it down for you and give you your facts this week. Because you know me, I always run through your facts heading in to help set up our discussion. So, Minecraft, if you don't know, is a 3D sandbox game that offers players basically any multitude of options in terms of how you want to approach the game. You're dropped in, you're a little blocky guy in a big blocky world, and you could do anything you really desire in terms of building, crafting, whatever. So some of the modes it offers basically suits any playstyle. You have survival mode where you have to go and gather resources and food to live off of, while also protecting yourself from creatures that kind of spawn throughout the map and try to attack you and whatnot. You also have creative mode, which gives you unlimited resources and the ability to fly. So really you can kind of scratch that itch when it comes to designing and building beautiful architecture. Like there's people who have built just major metropolitan cities in Minecraft in creative modes like this. There's also adventure mode, which you play user designed and crafted maps and you kind of have to play off of the rules that they set. Anything you can imagine you could really do in this game from a building and crafting perspective. It gives, it was based on giving players freedom to do basically whatever. And it's really known for it's, it's so iconic. Now the minimalistic art style that you have where you it's in the form of like rough 3d objects or blocks that represent various materials and resources like wood stone water or whatever that's what it's really if you ask me when people are like oh minecraft they're like oh yeah that's that like pixelated blocky game you know like a lot of people just know it from that aesthetic alone so but as adam was saying it was first released in may may 17th 2009 on TIG Source forms. I'm not familiar with that, Adam. Is that how you found the game? 
Or did you no. eventually find it somewhere else post the initial development build launch? I don't know where Mr. Waddell, who we went to high school with, found this game, but he's the one who showed it to me. Mm, I gotcha, I gotcha. So, but that's that development build has now been kind of dubbed classic version of the game. But it got its first major update on the project, which basically became its alpha build. A year later, as sales for this, once they went into that, started bolstering and kind of making money. And which led to uh, Marcus Pearson, who's known as Notch, who's the creator of Minecraft, to then found Mojang, which is its game development studio, with the early sales of the developed game, to help kind of push it along through its development. It officially launched November 18th, 2011, and really that version alone has still continued to receive support since that initial launch. It received critical acclaim, won multiple awards, including Best Debut Game at GDC, and Best Independent Game and nominated for Best PC Game at the Video Game Awards in 2011. And then following that, a couple years later, in 2014, September 15, 2014, Microsoft announced that a $2.5 billion, that's a billion with a B, billion deal to buy Mojang, along with the ownership of the Minecraft IP. And as I said, it went on to sell... Over 176 million copies worldwide on over 10 different platforms. But billion with a B. And that was already five years ago, almost. Five years ago that Microsoft thought that Mojang and Minecraft were worth 2.5 billion. Not million, billion. That still boggles my mind. Like, it's just crazy to think that an IP alone is worth 2.5 billion. That somebody started in their apartment. Like, it's, it's just wild to me. <laughs> yeah, I can't even really wrap my head around the figure. Like, that's just an astronomical figure. I mean, billion is when you see Disney buying Fox and these huge, massive property, like, multiple properties. No, you just have Mojang. And really, Mojang's only around because with Minecraft, the money was bringing in. Notch had to say, well, fuck, I probably should actually found a company in the development studio for this. Like, it seemed yeah. all very, like, forced. Like, he wanted to keep it small scale to himself, at least for the time being. But that you made $2.5 off it. That just boggles my mind, man. I, it's just crazy to see. I remember you bringing the game to Mike and I being like, oh, yeah, I've been playing Minecraft or whatever. And P-Pack always kind of busting you about it. Like, oh, Minecraft, blah, blah, blah. But he's some, he's since come around a little bit to it. But it kind of does help that having you on the show this week specifically to kind of zone in on this because you are the Minecraft master with this. I'm not. I played it with you. I played it by myself too. I have it on PC. I have it on console. And it's, as I said, it's on Game Pass because obviously we're talking about it. But we always talk about Microsoft's big IPs, Halo, Gears. Mike's not here, so I'll do it for him. Forza. <laughs> so, so we always talk about these big IPs, but we don't mention Minecraft because, yeah, it's a, it's an Xbox game studio game and it's a Microsoft first party game, but it's on every platform. I mean, it's it's a hey, here you go, <laughs> like yeah, we'll put it on phone. Yeah, we'll put it on Nintendo Wii U. Yeah, we'll put it on Switch. Yeah, we'll put it on 3DS. Yeah, we'll put it on PlayStation. Hell, put it on wherever you want it. The reach of this game is just so mind-boggling. Like, it's it's just crazy to me. So, I want to kind of start off our topical questions kind of piggybacking off that, being one of the most popular IPs in media history. 
What do you think the biggest factor is to Minecraft success over the past decade or so? Or do you really kind of think that this kind of, this game kind of came along at using the old phrase, right time, right place? Did that help it a lot? Or do you think just because of on it alone, its gameplay and its uniqueness that kind of helped sprung it forward? Without putting a whole lot of thought into it, I have to say that like, regardless of whether the market was like ready for Minecraft at the time it was, and there were like other outside forces that set mm-hmm. it up for success, it definitely made a lasting impact. And it started a trend at the time that it came out. Because mm-hmm. in the wake of Minecraft, you had tons of these survival crafting games. Of, oh, yeah. Of all stripes, you know, from the realistic and gritty to the straight up copycats who wanted to ape not just the mechanics, but the aesthetic, the the blocky worlds and all that of Minecraft. So, Oh, like, trust me, I've uh, even <clears throat> recently the past, let's say, well, no, it's probably been more than six months now, but within the, easily the past year. I actually had to review a Minecraft, I don't want to say a Minecraft knockoff, because it did a lot of different things too, but it was very based in Minecraft, and it was, yeah, you know, one of the things I remember writing in my review for it, for the website I was writing for, it was, yeah, this game's, like, I do like, there's some unique points to it, but if I wanted to do this, I could just play Minecraft, you know, like, and that's just being honest from a critical perspective, but yeah, it's... And we'll touch on this too. I do have a topical question on this that we'll touch kind of on the offshoots that came out with this. But yeah, it's just, do you think from just, do you think the right time, right place does play into it at all? It certainly does. I mean, the the world was ready for it. However you look at it, just based off of the impact that it had. But mm-hmm. if I had to give more credit to the game and point it like a feature about it that, that made it really successful and have such staying power mm-hmm. is that a game like Minecraft inside and out gives players tools to enjoy it for a long time. So in terms of like inside the game, like features of the game itself, it has the infinite worlds mm-hmm. and you can generate as many as you want. It's going to be, you know, familiar. There are structures to it, but it's a different experience every time you boot it up and those infinite worlds, you can explore them as long as you like. And there's even some really interesting stuff that happens once you get to the uh, kind of the boundaries, they're near infinite. But if you, if you force yourself to go out towards the edges of the world generation, you get some like strange behaviors going on. Yeah. There's also few concrete objectives in the game. Like Mm -hmm. it took until I'm pretty sure it was after the 1.0 release where Minecraft even had like a final boss and like an overarching goal to complete. And without any of those concrete goals, it focused highly on player expression and creativity. Like if you wanted to play Minecraft, you basically set your own goals. You decided what you wanted to do. You know, do you want to build today? Do you want to set up a PVP server with your friends? Do you want to like try to make the most ridiculous redstone contraption you can think of and like, you know, make like a cell phone uh, LCD display Mm -hmm. in Minecraft? You know, people have done some crazy stuff like that. That's like the features inside the game that have given it staying power outside, just sort of like the stuff surrounding the game itself. Mm -hmm. It's had this vibrant modding community almost from the start. And like, I don't know if it's a particularly easy game to mod. It seems like people do pretty well with it. And there are so many different mods that either, you know, enhance the vanilla experience or just take it in a completely different direction. So there's so many ways to play at least the Java edition. It's kind of sad that 
the Bedrock Edition on Windows 10 and Xbox don't get quite that same treatment. Mm -hmm. But the mods are still there in Java, and they've gotten constant support and updates over the years. Now, there was a bit of a drought up until the last year where we saw like a couple minor changes every year. That started to change. They started to pick up more momentum with the uh, underwater update and the uh, village and pillage update that we had recently. And you've almost seen like the meme culture start to like take notice. And like Minecraft is starting to become more popular just in the in the social consciousness of the day. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. And I even have a question or a topical question about that moving forward whenever we do get there. But let me just ask you, I just shooting from the hip. Do you think because I still can't get this off my goddamn mind every time I say it. But do you think that the Minecraft deal with Microsoft in 2014, the $2.5 billion deal, do you think, given that price, that was a good deal on Microsoft's end? I would say just with the way that the game has succeeded since Microsoft acquired it, just from the sales numbers we went over earlier, like 200 million users in China. Granted, not all of them have paid for the game. Like you said, there are free-to-play options, but... Over 176 million copies sold. Mm -hmm. Again, not all of those are from uh, post-acquisition, but the game is ubiquitous. And I have to say that Microsoft has probably made their money back at this point, or at least they're close. Oh my god, uh, you would hope so. And it, it's good to see that the developers, at least the founders, I don't know how many of the original people are still at Mojang, but like they must have been well taken care of, even if they were shown <laughs> the door at the end. So it's good to see like both parties are benefiting from that deal. 2.5 billion doesn't seem like a number where either party is really losing out. Mm -hmm. With you being so close with this IP and having a very vested interest in it for so many years, and you seeing both sides of the, the pre-Microsoft days and the post-Microsoft days and still being a part, you know, playing a part in both of them in terms of being an active user on both sides of that coin. What's your opinion on notch and what do you think do you think his departure you know inevitable departure on his own merit supposedly or what i'm not that familiar with it but it sounds like on his own merit or whatever after he sold his assets yeah, it was his decision to leave in the political agendas and different things like that out from him things he said leaving that out solely sticking to the game do you think that his departure negatively affected the game or do you think it would kind of be status quo no matter if he was there or not? Just given off of like before he brought on extra staff, like I, I, I was there pretty much from the beginning, like mm -hmm. in the in-dev stage when there were finite worlds, he was working on it solo. And, mm -hmm. and, and I remember the progression of the game's history when he formed Mojang, formed a team. He had another lead developer come on who was pretty much instrumental in making the game what it was today. Mm -hmm. I would have to say that his departure doesn't seem to have harmed the game. Definitely, once the Mojang team was formed before the acquisition by Microsoft, his development duties weren't, like, all-encompassing anymore, you know? Right. His initial vision for the game might have been, you know, like, lightning in a bottle. Like, this was the perfect game to be made at that time, mm -hmm. and he executed it well enough that it got off the ground. But I, I don't think I could say that, like, the game suffered because he left. Right. No, I, I agree. And not and kind of looking at this from the outside with kind of dabbling on both ends. I played a little before Microsoft acquired it, mm -hmm. um, mostly on PC and then in a post Microsoft world playing it on console, both Xbox, PlayStation 
you name it. I've kind of played it on a lot of platforms. I have it on Switch as well. And I've probably actually put the most time on Switch just because the Switch is awesome and you can play it anywhere. I kind of agree that kind of seeing it from all ends, Grant, you've seen you seeing it a little bit deeper level and having more time spent in that, or I should, should say worlds, because they're procedurally generated, but being in around that environment a lot longer, I'm sure you could speak more to this, but I agree. It's It doesn't seem like it's harmed it. I think at this point with a $2.5 billion IP, one person isn't going to change anything for the most part. I'd say it's almost like the Disney aspect where it's such a like huge encompassing machine at this point that I, I don't think in the haystack you take one piece of hay out isn't going to fall apart. I agree. So, but kind of piggybacking off something you mentioned earlier with all the new spinoffs and offshoots and copycats, if you want to call them for lack of a better term, of Minecraft that came out once the game launched and saw all the success it had. Minecraft never, I don't want to say it was the, I would say calling it the grandfather of survival crafting games at least on a mainstream level it'd probably Mm -hmm. be known as that for the most part but they weren't necessarily new but minecraft definitely did bring it to the forefront in terms of popularity for the genre for sure you saw a a boom of games of that genre whether or not they existed before minecraft or if it was the first of its kind Mm -hmm. afterwards it was noticeable like minecraft was getting popular but then all this other stuff was very high profile as well right just as a as a movement Right, exactly. It's it's almost like the Battle Royale phase that we're seeing right now and maybe heading into the end of that now. But for the past couple of years, you've seen that with Battle Royale and Fortnite and everyone wanted to copy that Battlefield having a Battle Royale. Call of Duty, you name it. Hell, Fallout 76 has a fucking Battle Royale. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I would see that. But it's crazy that you see all this just from the popularity of alone and everyone trying to cash in at the right time. But given the amount of projects that launched since Minecraft and using that model as a base, what has always made Minecraft been that game that kind of, out of all these crafting and survival experiences, stand above them? Like, what what has made that been the tentpole game to go back to where, kind of like I was saying before, yeah, I could do this, but I ain't just gonna play Minecraft if I want to do that. For sure. I mean, it's not like other games haven't had a chance to improve on it because, you know, Minecraft has, I feel like it spawned that whole boom pretty early in its lifespan, you know, mm-hmm. and Minecraft has developed a lot since then. And other games have had plenty of chances to dethrone it. But I don't think any game really has. Mm-hmm. I have to go back to what I said earlier about how Minecraft is like compressible in a way that makes it easy to meme. Um <laughs> And you can like you can communicate about your experiences playing this game. You can tell your friends you have like those water cooler conversations, you know, mm-hmm. where you share a common language and like, you know, generally what to expect with this game. But everybody's experience is different and everyone has a story to tell with, you know, what they did. Other games, I, I don't know. They just never managed to really capture that compressible, replicable, mimetic sort of trait to them. There were some other games that came out around the same time that were compared to Minecraft, uh, but they sort of went their own direction uh, to to pretty good success. I would say Terraria would be its contemporary at the time that was like 
kind of like the most successful game that came out that was like a similar genre about the same time. Mm. But there's no doubting that Terraria does its own thing and it distinguishes itself and it's almost like in its own category. So maybe it's that Minecraft defined itself as a category of this blocky uh, voxel survival crafting game that like no other game that tried to imitate it could do any better. If a game did better than Minecraft, it it distinguished itself in some way. It put itself in a different category. Yeah. So you're saying Block World doesn't hold a candle to Minecraft? I, I don't even know if that's a game you just made up right no, now. No, it, it, it or... is legitimately. I had to look it up <laughs> because it was very easy to type in Minecraft clone and literally 50 billion come up and it easily looks like and no offense this is somebody's game people put time into making this game and i'm not gonna bag people on that for that but it it very clearly in 2011 first seeing this launch not long after the minecraft craze started you could tell they were just trying to jump on the back of yeah and like maybe it's a really good game i don't know i haven't played it i haven't played most of the minecraft clones but Mm. i guess it just has the it has the advantage of being first to market in that sphere. Mm-hmm. So you always have to compare yourself to Minecraft if you want to try to beat it out. And like, I don't know, it just always seems to win those fights. Maybe there is a game out there that does everything Minecraft does and more and better. And I just haven't found it yet. I don't know. Right. No, I I can't disagree with you on that one. So kind of saying that, what do you think the most, like what to you is the most rewarding aspect of playing Minecraft? After putting in at this point, probably around a decade's worth of time into this game. What's so rewarding about it that makes you personally come back to it? I, I guess it would have to be the stories that you get to tell after playing a game like Minecraft. Like mm-hmm. like I mentioned it earlier, it's kind of one of those water cooler games where like you can have a conversation with anyone who's played the game and you'll all have something different to say about it. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way that everyone kind of understands like, oh yeah, that's like, that's really cool or that's really frustrating what happened to you but everyone gets to tell their own story with the experience they have playing this game and like the fun that i've had playing minecraft is mostly when i'm with friends and when we're kind of being expressive being creative when we get to work on stuff together Mm -hmm. and when we finally finish that big project and we get to look back and be like that was crazy like it took us so long to get all the materials and Kyle kept letting spiders into the house and killing us, but we finally did it, you know? That's that's probably the most rewarding thing for me. Like it's got a really solid core gameplay loop. It's it's gotten a little stale over the years, but I can still tolerate it, you know? Mm -hmm. But Hey, that was that was Mike's excuse for the longest time to going back to playing Minecraft is because Kyle kept letting in the goddamn spiders into the house. Yeah. (laughs) Eventually I think he came around because Kyle promised not to do that anymore. But like, I don't know, just the fun of like being creative with your friends and messing around on a server like mm-hmm. you could just do whatever and and the stories that i remember from playing this game have been the most rewarding and they're probably the reason i keep coming back because i know there's always another story yet to be experienced mm-hmm. well do you think kind of moving into our next question i mean do you think it can rely do you think minecraft can rely on those type of experiences moving forward for another decade like do you see a minecraft 2 being there or do you keep seeing minecraft just be this continuously upgradable platform that both by the community and by microsoft because microsoft's been very from what it seems like open to the community having input on how minecraft is shaped 
through mods, through whatever. They've been very open to that, it seems. Do you see Minecraft just staying this platform? Do you eventually see an iterative addition to the Minecraft franchise? I mean, they've kind of experimented with doing spin-off games for Minecraft. Like, they had the story mode where it was it was a telltale adventure, mm-hmm. just kind of with the aesthetic of Minecraft. Um, and I know they did announce recently like a dungeon crawler type game with the yeah. Minecraft aesthetic. That looks really cool. I actually am really excited to play it because I love dungeon crawlers. I haven't looked much into it. I've seen like a couple screenshots and that's about it. So I don't know if the gameplay is going to be like if it's going to include elements of classic Minecraft with mm-hmm. oh, uh, I'm you know, sure resource gathering and survival and whatnot. But like the way I see it, I'm, I'm of two minds about core Minecraft, like mm-hmm. the survival crafting game. It could either continue to just be supported as a single monolithic title. No Minecraft 2. Like it's always gone through phases and cycles, but mm-hmm. it could continue to evolve and change. And I think it's going to have to evolve and change if it's going to stay relevant and enjoyable. Because like I mentioned earlier, like the update cycle was pretty dry until the last year or so. And that's when people started to pick back up on it. They're playing Minecraft again. Minecraft is in the memes mm-hmm. again. So if it wants to stay alive well into a decade from now, yes, the base game is going to have to keep changing. Yeah. The other thought I've had is that part of the problem with changing Minecraft and, and making it fresh 10 years from now is that they might have to start changing core parts of the game that are like anchor points that have held the series down or the game down for this long like they might have to change something as instrumental as like oh diamond is the rarest substance and it is like the most powerful material in the game that you get at the end like they could make it even more rare and even more powerful and pad out the experience in between iron and diamond with more content that could be more interesting but that would take away from people's memory of the game and how they're used to playing it Mm -hmm. so if they do start to make big drastic changes they may need to split the core minecraft experience into maybe a classic mode and a modern mode kind of like world of warcraft's doing right now yeah and hopefully better Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, because what people I haven't played a lot of Warcraft, what a lot of my coworkers do, mm-hmm. when people don't remember going into what do they call it, vanilla WoW or classic WoW? Classic WoW is the new is the re-release of basically I think it's like version one or something like that, like how it launched in two thousand four for the most yeah. part is what they're selling right now. But up until then, they referred to it as vanilla WoW. Yeah. It seems to me like the old guard is real skeptical of Classic WoW because mm-hmm. a lot of the players who are hype about it maybe don't remember like they do what a pain in the ass it was to play back then. And like, I, I don't think they're going to maintain a lot of quality of life changes. They're leaving it mostly intact as it was at 1.0. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me, you're telling me our generation, the quote unquote millennials, are becoming what we hate the most and fear the most, the boomer. We are the boomer for these games. Back in my day. Back in my day. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think it's kind of the opposite. I think the 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 guys who I talk to who have played it that long and still kind of play, they're like, dude, you don't know how bad it used to be. Like, be thankful for the way it is now mm-hmm. because it wasn't better back in my day. It sucked. And, you know, the way it is now is fine. Just enjoy it. Right. And I mean, you got to think, too, that 
at that point, wow, I mean, Christ almighty, this game has been going for 15 years now. The legs on this, you're basically, you have people who started playing that game as, uh, I'm trying to think, 2004, I was 10 years, uh, 11? 11 yeah, years we would have been like 11. young. Yeah, we were like 9, 10, 11, something like that. Those people who played that game back then, at least in our demographic, are now the ones working on this game and making this game. So you would hope that they take those experiences and what they played with all those years into what now they're making, you know, almost the art imitating life and what you have. So, and after taking all those experiences, you would hope that at least thinking out loud and, you know, from a logical approach, I take the things that I learned growing up about X, Y, and Z, knowing that when I'm an adult, I want to make sure I don't do it like that or do it like that or it's just taking those experiences yeah, just, you have. Just learning from the past. Right, exactly. You would hope that now that the people who are making these games, who grew up on these games, it's kind of like you see with comics and movies and things like that, that why the people who, why you're seeing all these new looks and takes and iterations on things are finding so much success because it's the people who grew up on these products and these IP and these are taking influences from these great IPs that are now making their own thing and yeah, basing it off of sure. that because it's they grew up with it those are the people who loved it the most probably and so if seth bling makes minecraft 2 like it's gonna be because he loved playing right. minecraft and he's been playing it for a long time right i don't know if you're familiar with seth bling no i'm not he's a minecraft content creator influencer youtuber maybe mm -hmm. um but he, he he puts out a lot of videos where he's doing like kind of like personal projects in minecraft that are anywhere from like mods to just like interesting builds within the game as it is. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of a, a joke, a running meme, I guess that mm -hmm. like he's going to remake the entire game on his own. <laughs> and it's funny, actually, now that you bring that up, that kind of funnels into my last question that I have here, a topic to touch on, and it's about content creators. So really, in my opinion, Minecraft, in my opinion, first and foremost, I think streamers, and content creators, those are the strongest marketing tool that our industry that we love gaming has to offer right now. They're taking a human approach to telling you what they think on products and what their impressions are. They are the strongest marketing tool you have today. So with this second win that Minecraft is getting, the back nine of Minecraft's life is starting to bolster again. It's definitely, to me, it's because of the streaming community. It's because of the content creators that are kind of saying, oh, yeah, let's play that game again, or what's that been up to, or things like that. What mm -hmm. makes, and we've seen it with Minecraft having a spectator mode and having all these things, but what makes Minecraft so easy to watch and interact with compared to other popular franchises like CSGO, like all these other major games that you see on the top 10 streaming, Fortnite and things like that? What puts Minecraft up there with those games that makes it so easy and to watch and interact with from a social standpoint, a spectating standpoint. I think it's because like the language of Minecraft is almost universal. It's almost mm -hmm. like it's almost like sports to me. Whereas like CS:GO, Fortnite, PUBG, these are games that like you would watch these, especially League of Legends. That's another big one. Mm -hmm. Even for the huge audience that those games have they're mostly watched by people who already play them and are interested in them. And like to, to enjoy watching stuff like that, you have to kind of know how the game works and probably even have some experience playing it yourself, or at mm -hmm. least you've watched a lot of it. 
Minecraft feels like a sport to me. It feels like a cultural pastime because it has a universal appeal that's like anyone could pick this up and play. It's like it doesn't really have a learning curve because it's so simple. Like the gameplay is it appeals to all ages. It's not incredibly violent or nor is it really like squeaky clean and boring. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a mix between it's like Lego, like adults and kids alike can appreciate the appeal of Lego, even though that comparison is so tired. It's doing somersaults in its grave as I beat it right now. Right. It, it works. You know, it's a good comparison. And literally the only things you really need to know about Minecraft are or at least understand about Minecraft are you got to get resources and build. And all you have to know really is PewDiePie. <laughs> yeah. And you I mean, understand like, those two things. You got a basic concept of Minecraft. <laughs> and I feel like we might be moving towards a future where, whereas once we all used to have this common language of like, oh yeah, even if you don't play pro baseball, you can pick up a bat, pick up a mitt, throw a ball around and have some fun with your friends. Like mm -hmm. it's a common language that we all share. And like, I appreciate sports for what they are, but I see us moving towards a time where games like Minecraft might become the cultural pastime that sports used to hold. Oh, absolutely. Oh my God. If nobody writes in to, if somebody doesn't ask this whenever we accept party chat questions and submissions, I really want to make that a topical discussion one time. And we just need sure. to do an episode of that in the gaming landscape and culture and what that means moving forward. I'd love to, because I have so many, I have so many opinions. I know you have so many opinions. God knows Mike has opinions on it. <laughs> yeah. So it, I would love to have that conversation moving forward, but not to cut you off, please continue, but just something I'd love to put I was basically in. done, yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. That's something that I hope we can start to tackle with this show. Seems like a good, a good cause, like a, a good way to use our voice, I suppose, mm -hmm. to kind of elevate the conversation to... What's the cultural impact of this medium that we all love and enjoy so much? Absolutely. Totally agree. So before we head into Cash It, Pass It, Asset, we got a new segment. And normally this is where we play Gamecast Casino. But with Mike not being available this week, I just want to do a little one-on-one, -on -one, little fun game that no points involved or anything like that, but a new segment called Who Said That? So this segment that I kind of came up with, it's where I'm going to read a quote. And I'm going to ask my co-host, or in this case, co-host, to simply tell me which one of the two subjects I give you said it. So, this week, we have Marcus Person, the creator of Minecraft, or superhero slash villain monologues. Okay, okay. So, you have to basically guess. I'm going to give you a quote, and I just want you to guess, was it Marcus who said it, or... Was it a superhero slash villain monologue in a comic book, a movie, whatever that's based around superheroes? Like I was saying before, Marcus has been a very political agendas aside or whatever. You know, he's been a very vocal person on his opinions and things like that. He hasn't shied away from speaking his mind. So which has led to some very weird quotes, to say the least, and very enthusiastic. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, let's let's get into it. This should be interesting. So here's the first one. Like I said, is this Marcus talking or is this a superhero or villain that's given a monologue in a comic or movie or game? Okay. So first one up. Why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves back up? Was this Marcus who said that or a superhero slash villain? I'm going to guess that this was Notch. This was Marcus. Notch, final answer. 
That's my final answer. You were wrong, actually. That oh. was that's a that's a big uh, Batman quote. That's from well, Batman technically didn't say it, but it's known in the Batman universe that really Bruce Wayne's father said that to him when he first fell down the well that ah. caused the spark of his fear of bats and whatnot. If you're a Batman person, you know what I'm talking about. But that's been kind of a statement that's been carried through Batman in a long time. But why do we fall? So we can learn to pick ourselves back up. It's a very kind of general one. So just to, yeah. that one was more to kind of get your feet wet and to kind of get a feeling of how these statements are going to be worded. So, okay, all right. Okay, I'm 0 for 1. Now, and keep in mind, there's a lot of different superhero and villains out there. So it isn't necessarily Captain America and all these positive things and Superman and there's some gray area stuff. So just keep yeah. that in mind as I'm reading this. So moving into the next one here, the quote is, partying is not a sane way to spend your money, but it's fun. Was that Marcus or was that a superhero villain? If I know the life that Notch has lived after he, uh, sold mojang to microsoft and became I'm one of say the that... like biggest billionaires in the world <laughs> yeah I i'm gonna say that that one was probably notch that one was notch you got that one right on the nose that one is notch all right a yeah. one and one yeah so that's a very good encompassing statement it gives you an idea about the lifestyle that he did lead but anyways moving into the next one i want you to tell me is this margus or a superhero substance comes from losing until you make yourself win. Was that Marcus or was that a superhero or a villain? I'm going to say that's got to be that's got to be a monologue. That's not Notch. Final answer. Final answer. Not Notch. That's a that's a monologue. That is a Marcus person okay. quote. Okay. That is a Marcus person quote. Yeah, he actually said that was one of his like big quotes that I was able to pull. I'm like, wow, that's actually kind of like genuine. That's a really nice quote. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what that's when you put up on the bulletin board. Wow. OK, so but it fit in very in line. It feels very superhero ish that I'm like, that's where I'm start. This is where I started to kind of get those parallels. I was like, that's kind of a monologue there. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, moving into the next one here. Next quote. There is a right and a wrong in the universe. And the distinction is not hard to make. Is that Marcus or is that a superhero or villain? <sighs> Given what he said in the past, this may be a little bit harder one to answer. <laughs> My gut is telling me that that is also not Marcus. That is a monologue from a superhero or villain. Final answer? Final answer. You are right. That one is Superman. That one is one of Superman's biggest quotes out there. Okay. It's very... It had a... It had a familiar feeling to it that didn't seem like it was from Notch. Yeah, it, that one is very, that is very cut and dry comic book. But also, too, he said some questionable things before. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that might be one where you throw out there and say, hmm. So, but yeah, that's a Superman quote. That's one that very encompasses what his character is. The moral right and wrong do-gooder. So, that one is very... Very, very much a superhero quote. So, moving into the next one here. Got two more. Alright. Next quote. Intelligence is a privilege, and it needs to be used for the greater good of the people. Is that Marcus, or is that a superhero slash villain? Hmm. I'm gonna say that is also a superhero or villain monologue. Ooh. 
You are right. You are right. <laughs> that one is from Dr. Octavius. Doc Ock from Spider-Man. He said that. Okay. So, and that one kind of, when I first saw that one, I was like, that seems like very gray area. Like, I could see somebody actually saying that in, like, a speech or something outside of comics. So, yeah. Um, but, all right, moving into the last one here in the Who Said It segment. Next quote. Infinite power just isn't very interesting. It's much more fun when you have a limited tool set to use against the odds. Was that Marcus, or was that a superhero slash villain? Mm. Infinite power just isn't that interesting. What was the second part? I'll read the whole thing again. Okay. Infinite power just isn't very interesting. Second part. It's much more fun when you have a limited tool set to use against the odds. I'm going to say that's Marcus. That sounds like a rationale for starting survival mode and splitting it off of creative mode, if you ask me. Final answer? Final answer. Nail, you yeah. got that one right on the money. Yeah, that one I actually, I'll be, I'll be honest. I had to take out, there was a segment, where was it? I'll have to find it. But there was a, there was a portion of that quote that I had to take out because it's directly stated game. Like, it was like the game, or I think it was right after, Infinite Power just isn't very interesting in a video game or something like that. So, yeah, but I was like, if I take that out, yeah, I was like, if I, I, if I take that out, I was thinking, I'm like, yeah, that, that could fit. I could see a superhero or villain or whatever saying that. So, um, so yeah, that is our, who said it segment, which that was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know what? I may bring that one back eventually. I know a lot of people like the game cast casino, especially Mike, because he is a degenerate gambler, but (laughs) so that one may take a little more fighting, but he is a big competitive person, Mike. So I'm sure you give him some kind of competition. He'll want to run with it. So yeah, we should definitely keep that segment. Yeah. We may keep that one in the vault. That one takes a little more creativity though, when you're pulling quotes and stuff like that. So that's true. So as we move along towards the end of our show here, let's head into the final segment, Cash It, Pass It, or Ass It. Let me elaborate on my ass just just for a brief minute. And we did get a really good quote, thanks to one of our listeners, Mike Collins, out there. He told me, and I will edit this in post, that we need to make sure we have the quote of Mike saying, let me tell you about my ass or whatever it was. So (laughs) he said that has to be a part of the show moving forward. I 100% agree. And I'm sure Mike would agree as well. And you, so that will be, that'll be a nice little intro to our uh, segment here, but I'm going to open it up. You know, I'm going to open myself up first and tell you what I think about it and then let you have the floor with it because I think you can give a little more context into it. Me personally, I think this is a pass it game. I definitely don't think you should ask it. I could see why people who, I think while I agree, it's a very universal game that it's very easy to have this game available for a lot of people. It's easy to pick up and play. It's not that difficult. The learning curve, there really isn't too much of one because you can jump into so many different game types to play with this. It's really not that difficult to hand somebody a controller, a little brother, sister, cousin, whatever, and say, hey, play with me. Let's 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 play for a while. And they could pick it up, no problem. I could see how people could say this is a quote-unquote ass game in terms of, from a depth perspective, I know a 
complaints I've heard about it is, well, there's no objectiveness to the game. It's just an open world sandbox. People who do like more, I don't want to say linear experiences, but have more guides to them, I guess. Even some survival games, there are, hey, survive to this date or do this under these circumstances and things like that, which Minecraft has been, you know, opened up to and iterated on since its initial release, you know, with the user-generated worlds and things like that with Adventure Mode. But I can't see where people do that. I personally think, though, this is, in all intents and purposes, a great game. It's a genre-defining game, I want to say, and it really is one of those games that you really have to debate whenever you're making a Mount Rushmore of gaming how high up you put that one because I definitely think there is a... There definitely, in terms of importance to the gaming landscape there is by far absolutely a conversation to be had of if it belongs on there or not. So I would pass it. It's one of those games that it's so readily available, though, you could probably cash it if you really wanted to, but with how readily available it is and it being on Game Pass and whatnot, if you ever get bored and you want to just kind of build something from scratch and you want to scratch that creative itch, it's a great game to have on your Xbox or your PC, wherever you have it installed, uh, just to boot it up real quick and get in and get out if that's something you want to do. I probably wouldn't buy it just because of how readily available it is. But yeah, I would pass it. Adam, curious to hear what you think about it in terms of the cash it, pass it, or asset. I feel pretty safe that it isn't the latter, but go I'm ahead. assing it this yeah. week. <laughs> you make a compelling point. It is one of those games where like, I feel like I only really come back to it so occasionally that it might be something that's just worth passing if you aren't willing to put up the money to, you know, just to to have it forever, have it on your hard drive or whatever. And there's also two competing versions of the game. Mm-hmm. So there's that to take into consideration. Real quick, just before you continue, I just want, I don't know if I brought this up before, but do you think that, do you think that hurts it? Like just from a general, cas- very casual, not somebody who's in depth with the Minecraft community, but somebody who little Johnny wants to play, minecraft with his friends do you think having the bedrock edition and the regular edition or whatever have you having these two distinct different versions of the game hurts it from a consumer standpoint just in a general perspective just real quick. um from, from the simplest perspective i think it does i think there should probably be a definitive edition of the game that's just like mm-hmm. here it's simple just buy this one this is the one you need and it has you know everything that you could want from minecraft to go more in depth into it i would say like the the Java one is superior, but it gets less support. So I wish the one that Microsoft seems to be favoring would be the one that had like full mod support, mm-hmm. more customization, more ability to run your own servers. But just from an outside perspective, it, I think it would be more convenient to just have one definitive version of the game. Mm-hmm. But if that were to happen, there'd probably be too many compromises made for me personally to actually want that to be a reality. Right. No, understandable. No, but continue. Sorry, I didn't but, mean to But, but moving back into my cash it, pass it, or asset decision, I think I am someone who has to cash this game kind of mm-hmm. because of the, the the different versions of the game that are out there. Like, I'm pretty sure the Bedrock Edition is the one that you're going to get if you're... It, it absolutely is. The one that you're going to get if you... And that one has... It. that. That's the one that does have cross-play, correct? It does have, yeah, it does have cross-play. You can play across PC and Xbox. I don't know if PS4 is integrated yet. 
and the Switch might not be in there as well. I, either. I think I think Switch is. No, Switch okay. definitely is. No, Switch definitely is because Nintendo and Xbox both put out a joint trailer That's for right. it saying That's play right. together, survive together, everything like that. Yep. So yeah, PS4 tends to lag behind in, in those fields, but mm-hmm. I would say this is a game. Maybe you want to cash the Java version. So you can have those mods. You can come back to it and play on your PC whenever you want, however you want. Mm-hmm. But if you don't feel like buying the version that everyone is going to be playing on Xbox and the version that some of your friends might be playing on PC, maybe you just pass that version. I know I own both. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell all of our viewers you need to own both. If you have to own one of them, own the Java edition. I do recommend it if you're only going to own one to buy the Java edition. Mm. But you know, you guys know your wallets and your tastes better than I do. Hey, we've all been there. There's games that I buy. I have on like three different consoles. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I have I'm trying to think the amount of times over my lifetime that I've bought Ocarina of Time are kind of oh, staggering. Yeah. <laughs> to say nothing of all the like Blizzard battle chests I've bought for all their legacy games. Yeah, I mean, just looking at my I'm looking at my bookshelf right now that has a lot of my physical games. And that's not even including, you know, the digital ones. I mean, there's there's multiple games. I have I bought the newest Doom twice. Well, three times technically because I have the VR version as well. And granted, it's usually I'm one of those people that uh, you know, right now I play a lot of my like all my third party games on Xbox One X because it's the best quality out there on a console experience. But I'm also one of those people that like eh, I, if I want to play it, I'll just play it on PS4. You know, if I yeah. own it on there. But if it goes on sale for 20 bucks or whatever at the most yeah i'll pick it up again whatever like i like i love the game so i'm definitely willing to support the developer but in a way that's a small monetary fee like that and that kind of goes back to even the microtransaction talk too but no i'm I'm in the same boat i i definitely agree with that there's we have those games that you do come back to yeah for sure for sure kind of wrapping it up putting a bow on it adam where can people find you you can find me on Twitter at AC underscore Marshy. That's AC underscore M-A-R-S-H-Y. Yeah, definitely. And definitely, if you're into Minecraft, if you're somebody who's been playing it hardcore again, or even just a casual player who's picked it up here and there, definitely reach out in our comment section below. But also, reach out to Adam, man. He loves talking about that. It's a game that he still does bring up from time to time. There's I mean, hell, earlier this summer, he was like, hey, let's just all start playing again. Now that Kyle got a gaming PC, can actually play. He's like, that's an easy game for all of us to play and kind of just have a server and just kind of mess around on. So he loves talking about that game. Honestly, reach out to him. And I'm sure I can let him speak for himself on that. But it'd be great to get back into it. It would also be neat if you guys, the viewers and the listeners are interested to have like a little community server. I could just throw it up and have a little fun. Come play with us. Come play Minecraft. Shoot the breeze. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, and it's almost getting to the point, and this is just a little inside baseball that I can bring up, and just stuff that we've been thinking of. We're almost to the point now where I feel pretty confident in possibly doing a community Discord server where we can have that and have some of our, you know, our friends who have been kind of helping on the side with topics and things like that to have mod support that kind of moderate for us and whatnot. Um, But just having a place for all our viewers to come and have community days like that where we set up different things like that but yeah definitely i am definitely open to that and that's something i think would be hella great so with that being said though i am travis white aka travelis on most internet platforms i'm your host best place to find me twitter to find me at travelis underscore t-r-a-v 
L-E-S-S underscore. Same at twitch.tv slash Travelis underscore. T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. Uh, I need to, I know I keep saying it. I need to get back into streaming. It's getting to that point with my full-time job though, where that time of year I work in college athletics that once the school year starts, it gets kind of crazy in terms of being able to have a consistent schedule, but I do need to get back on the one or two day a week where I sit down and just play something for a few hours on stream. But, and you can also find me on Xbox live, just regular travelers, T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. Right now I am playing, like I said, Grand Theft Auto start back up into that. And pretty soon here. We got Control coming out at the end of the month here I'm really excited for, but even more I'm more excited for, which I know Mike and Adam and I have talked about possibly doing a, a stream for the game whenever it does come out, Blair Witch. Man, I am so excited for that game. We're horror junkies when it comes to that's always the one game series that we make sure we play together. Oh, yeah. We always get whatever system it is, or hell, one of us has brought PCs over before just to hook into the TV and play, so... We're, uh, that may be something we end up streaming together or doing a group let's play on doing kind of series of that, but man, I'm really excited for that. So you'll see me playing that too. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing, interacting with us, anything. Just thank you for being a part of this growing community and talking video games with us. And we will see you next week. Bye.